All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio, episode forty-four. We will be taking. Actually, when I say we, Jason is back once again. Uh, he's become very popular, but we're going to take apart the Boston bombing. I did get a lot of messages saying, "Hey, man, we're all aware that the Boston bombing was a hoax, was faked, was staged. It was a drill." And while I think any thinking individual understands this, I'm going to come at it from a bit of a different point of view. While I will be demonstrating that it is false to some degree, um, that's not really the main purpose here. The main purpose here is systems is a good way to describe it, maybe. All these systems that we see around us have a purpose. Someone somewhere put them together. The Boston bombing was no different. It was a system. It was a skit. It was designed to have an outcome. And that outcome was to erode freedoms, basically, and to put every person that saw it, watched it, was affected by it in the position of the frog in boiling water to slowly acclimate us all to the coming police state, the seeming coming police state. Well, I can't, you know, see into the future. It seems like that's where we're going. But let's talk a minute about that before we jump into the episode. So many systems around us and systems are basically details. And yet most of us have been trained by the systems we grew up in to just look at the very mundane details. I mean, take a cup of coffee. We sit down in a restaurant, we order a cup of coffee, it magically appears, and that's the extent of it. And yet, someone in the back of the kitchen made that coffee. Long before he ever got it, there was someone somewhere in the world growing that coffee, harvesting that coffee, roasting that coffee, preparing that coffee, this whole system that brought this mundane coffee Uh, to sit in front of us that we drink. And it's really no different. While we drink the coffee, we never consider the system, which doesn't make much difference with a cup of coffee. But in the systems within which we live, it does make a big difference. Consider the ongoing strife caused by the recent presidential election in the United States. So many people still going off about Trump. And I'll say it again to everybody out there. Your vote had no part and has never had any part in seating any president. The vote, the popular vote, whatever you want to call it, when you go to the polls, that vote means bupkis. What seats a president is the Electoral College. The Electoral College was put in place by the founding fathers, who were not great men, I'm sorry to say. They were probably more like patricians, ensuring there was a backdoor to power so the very same people who have always held power will continue to hold power. Um, I haven't followed this election at all, but I did read somewhere that apparently the popular vote was ignored again and the Electoral College sat. It doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't make a difference whether Hillary is sat, whether Trump is sat, whether some other Joe Blow from Idaho is sat. Whoever they want to seat as president will be seated by the Electoral College. For people who are still dumbfounded by this, go look at how the Electoral College works. Take a state like California with a massive population. You would assume that the representative vote would reflect the vast number of people in California. That's really not the way it works. There can be tiny populations where California in a certain district would need many electoral votes to equal one from a low-density population place. It is all a rigged scam. And we could get into gerrymandering or any other number of things that skew the political landscape away from any semblance of the people's participation. It's just a fact. And this is a system. 
And if we would just take the time to look at the system, we would understand what's going on here. And yet we don't. We show up at the polls, we vote, we cry, we complain, we watch the news, and we get stressed out and sucked into one side of an argument that doesn't even matter. Honestly. And yet, little hints and little references to these systems that I talk so much about on this show are scattered everywhere in our culture. Let me grab a random example. How about, uh, what's that old George Harrison? There's a George Harrison song from an album, I believe, called Cloud Nine, and I think it was called Devil's Radio. There's a couple verses in there. We're, it's The whole song is basically referencing what we're talking about. Systems that have been put in place that we all operate within and most of us are completely oblivious to. In that song, a couple of the verses go something like this. It's white and black like industrial waste. Pollution of the highest degree. You wonder why I don't hang out much. I wonder how you can't see. He's in the films and songs and on all your magazines. It's everywhere that you might go, the devil's radio. And while the average person is going to listen to music or watch movies or any of the media that surrounds us and think it's just cleverly put together to be entertainment, and I'm here to tell you it's much more, they're referencing exactly what I talk about so often on this show. As we get into the episode here, I would urge everyone to... Get in the mindset of understanding we live within systems. The details of those systems show you the truth about those systems. In the same way that any lie ever told can be completely obliterated by its own details, the weight of a lie's details will crush the lie itself if anyone takes the time to uncover the details. These systems and Sandy Hook and 9-11 and the Boston bombing and the election, these are all systems put in place by people with power. They all have a purpose and so many of us walk through life not understanding. But anyhow, let's get Jason in here. Let's jump into episode 44 and we'll concentrate a bit on why the Boston bombing was doing what it was doing, and we will cover some of the fraud, of course. There's really no getting away from it. So I apologize to all the people that completely understand what it is. But shouldn't we really be concentrating on why it was done and the effect it was meant to have and what we can all do, each of us, as human beings in this world, to start to recognize that we're basically under attack, that we're basically being corralled and caged and our freedoms eroded and the culture around us tightened, all of it. We can do something about that if we choose to understand and change our minds. Anyhow, let's jump in. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. This is episode 44. And that is a very fitting number for this episode because we're going to cover the Boston bombing. And actually, I've asked Jason back again. Uh, he's become very popular on the show. But we're not going to go at the Boston bombing to try to demonstrate that it's fake. It's fake on the face of it. Nobody died. No one was hurt. There was no real victims, suspects, none of it. It's all actors. And any person who wants to argue differently is simply using a television to think for them. Uh, this is as obvious as Sandy Hook. This is as obvious as the moon landing. This is as obvious as the toes on your feet. Look down and count them. The Boston bombing is fraud. The Boston bombing was designed to do one thing, to begin to change the mindset or to continue to change the mindset of people in this country 
to allow their civil rights and freedoms to be eroded. That was the purpose of what happened this day, along with the fear porn. But as I mentioned, it's episode 44. For those that have followed, they will understand that 4 and 44 encode death when used by the people who do all the nonsense that we cover so often on this show. Often 44 is death's doors encoded. The date of the Boston bombing is April, the fourth month, 15, 2013. It's the 13th year in this millennium, which adds to four. So there's 44 encoded right in the date. Um, as you get into a wiki entry, and I will preface this, everyone listening should understand what wiki is. Wiki is not the be all and end all of anything. What wiki is, is what the public is meant to see. There are plenty of examples of people who are private citizens who have wiki entries on themselves, who constantly try to change the data to make it more correct from their point of view on a wiki page about themselves, and within hours it's changed back to whatever it said. So understand what wiki is. It's what we are meant to see. But on the wiki entry and the Boston bombing entry, right out the bat is the fingerprint of who did this. It says, on April 15th, 2013, two, two, excuse me, two homemade bombs detonated 12 seconds and 210 yards apart. There it is, your 33, 12 seconds. Two and one are three. 20, 210 yards is two and one. Also using blackjack 21 or the mind weapon, but also encoding three. There it is in the first line of the wiki entry, the encoded 33 and the date that shows 44, which is death doors. And I could do this all day. Um, it was the 117th Boston Marathon. That encodes 9-11. Seven and two, when you take the 11 and make it a two, becomes nine. In the same way, two and nine encode 9-11. And every 7-11 sign you've ever seen in your life is encoding 9-11 using primes. Um, anyhow, before I get too far into this, I want to be very clear. We're going to run a timeline. This timeline is not convinced to try to demonstrate fraud. It is fraud. I'm not even prepared to argue about whether this is fraud or not. Um, this is so plain as the nose on your face that I will say it again. If you do not understand this event for what it is, you are fast asleep in this world. And I hate to be that blunt, but I mean, come on, man, it's late in the game. We're going to run a timeline, and I will preface this one last time. No one was killed. There were no victims. There were no terrorists. There knew, it was all staged. And to top it off, I will give you a couple stats before I get Jason in here to run the timeline. I started seeing... Supposed reports of the number of police who participated in the in the manhunt in one of the wiki entries that claims only a thousand. But you're going to hear Jason say a hell of a lot more than that. And you're going to begin to wonder, how could you even mobilize that many police? So I looked up how many police are on the Boston Department. Uh, it is claimed by the Boston website that there are 2015 officers to put that into context. It is also claimed and I don't know how close these numbers are, that there are roughly a million police in the United States, okay? And I'll give you New York just so I'll look real quick. Uh, 34,000 uniformed police officers patrolling New York, and of course New York is one of our biggest cities. I don't know, maybe it's the biggest, I have no idea. But keep that in mind. Boston has 2,000, roughly 2,000 officers, and the United States claims to employ roughly a million. So as we get into this and you begin to realize the scope and scale of what they are doing with their paramilitary people, their choppers that are all specked out with 
you know, night vision and thermal resonance detecting and all this other stuff that I read about, you're going to start to get a picture here. What happened was they staged an event. They staged it at the 117th Boston Marathon because it was encoded with 9-11, one of the reasons it was encoded with 9-11. And then they pers- then they began to unravel a predetermined script, and so many of the members of this script have been identified, even to include people involved in movies. Um, the the big famous guy that got both his legs blown off, supposedly people have signed up all over online to track him down, and he doesn't exist um, at the age or the name he should. So um, they brought in all these cops. They did things like claim the terrible terrorists that they made up who did this didn't deserve to be Mirandized which is a civil right in this country. They further did things to prevent him from getting a lawyer or tried to go down that road. They locked down portions of a city under basically martial law, went door to door using the kind of 1984 language shelter in place. Um, They basically violated every civil right you can imagine. And they kicked that can further down the road, which was done at... uh, What's the name of the hurricane there? Katrina. They did a similar thing at the hoaxed event, which was Waco, Texas, where they supposedly murdered a bunch of kids because they happened to be in the wrong building at the wrong time, um, bringing in military assets into a sovereign state or however that would properly be stated, which is not supposed to be a legal thing. It's just the constant eroding of rights towards a police state. But I guess I can quit rambling here. Let's get Jason in here. How are you, bud? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Um, as I got back into looking at this stuff, um, it's kind of astounding that there is anyone breathing that does not understand what's going on. It is so blatantly obvious. I mean, am I wrong here? No, I hadn't looked at this in a while. And um, going back through it all and, and watching videos from the day of and, and the manhunt afterwards, I was like, wow, I'd forgotten just how ridiculous this whole thing was. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's really beyond the pale. And so the question becomes... Um, Are there truly a lot of people out there in America who understand what you and I understand, who saw what happened and realized it for what it was, and they're simply just not getting out into the airwaves to be heard, or they're being suppressed by Google or any number of places that yell louder from CNN or whatever? It's it's a real wonder. Um, When I go back and look at this stuff, I can't imagine any adult human being not, not understanding what this is about. There's definitely uh, a lot of people going after this stuff. Um, some YouTube searches definitely showed that to me. Uh, probably more people are going after the false flag stuff than, than say, what we've been doing with the space fraud. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, they're kind of the same thing. You know, you don't need rocket ships to perpetrate a big hoax. No, no, you really don't. And uh, one one of the things about Boston that is astounding is just how damn bold it was. It was not executed well. Um, as a matter of fact, on the day it happened, uh, back in 2013, my wife was clicking through channels and she happened to hit CNN or Fox or one of those stations as she was clicking by and I saw the explosion for the first time and I looked at her and I said oh my god that is so phony and she asked me how do you know and I said we'll go back to the channel and look and um, I will state categorically here how is it that any person who has had anything to do with explosives in their life or served in the military ever seen a hand grenade detonated even a stick of TNT or something smaller how is it that they cannot realize that what was done that day was a smoke bomb even in the wiki entries they're claiming it blew out 
windows in the buildings next door, uh, poppycock. That was a smoke bomb. Even for the uneducated eye that's had no experience with explosives, the flags in front of those supposed bombs that had all this nails or whatever they claimed were in the bombs are completely unshredded. Um, it, it was not well done. And yet um, what we see is it's a numbers game. Because apparently the Boston Globe tweeted or did something, Facebooked or tweeted, I've forgotten which, that there was about to be a drill uh, demolition done by the police during the Boston bombing. They did this shortly before it happened, and there are ample accounts of after these fake bombs went off, these smoke bombs, of people with bullhorns on scene yelling, this is a drill. And yet we find that most of the country presumably is still under the spell of this lie. But anyhow, um, I'll, I'll let you get straight into it, Jason. Go ahead. And I think you've got an update from from uh, on Elon Musk as well. Yeah, there was a news article I saw that I wanted to bring up before we get into this, uh, where he's at a conference and he exposes himself for, for really what he is by discussing a, a blatant transhumanist agenda. You know, so we see that he's just pushing the narrative just like the rest of the scumbags. Uh, he makes a comment about how humans need to merge with machines or be uh, irrelevant in this coming AI age. So basically he's saying the same thing as a lot of these other cats out there that, you know, that we are obsolete or going to be obsolete and we need to merge with these machines that they're creating so that we can move on and be the new man in the new future. Yeah, it's crazy. And we can track transhumanism right back to Tavistock. It's right in there with the cybernetics and all that other stuff. And, you know, it doesn't take a genius to think about what this means. I mean, at the point when we really begin to merge minds with machines, your thoughts are no longer your own. Um, it's a bit like using a search engine now. When you use a search engine, you're telling somebody somewhere in this world what you're interested in knowing and what you're thinking about at that moment. All that data is collected. Now imagine when it's coming straight from the source. There's no search engine. There's no nothing. There's a chip in someone's head or whatever transhumanist you know, portion they want to go after there, um, and everything becomes kind of completely controlled at, at you know, such a finite level. The, the very thought terrifies me, really. I mean, think about it. Even if we technologically came up with a way to transfer consciousness, if you're in a machine, you just put yourself in a prison. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing. And, you know, how many movies right now are going on and on about the uprising of the robots? I mean, you hear it on every other movie you ever see um, that the ro the robots were are going to have their uprising. You know, I remember the first time I kind of started paying attention to that was way back uh, when I still did watch a little bit of TV. Um, I saw a Big Bang episode where Sheldon claimed that the uprising was going to start with the uh, – the teller machines for our money. That's where the uprising, the, the robot uprising would begin. And I thought, what an insidious thing to say, man. <laughs> yeah, actually, that would be because you cut people off from their money supply and you've already got them. Well, it's not it's not a hard thing to imagine, is it? I mean, we're, we're damn near a, a moneyless society as it is. Most of us use cards and um, the ATM. So you can imagine how easy it would be to shut the ATMs off and what effect that would have. Absolutely. And most of that money is just uh, ones and zeros in a computer anyway. So they've got us, you know, as soon as they wanted to start implementing this stuff, they could. All right, Jason. So we've got our updates and everything. Uh, if you want to jump into the timeline, let's do that right now. And again, for everyone listening, 
this timeline is a script. It may have been, it might as well have been put together by DreamWorks on Hollywood because that is what you were looking at. You're going to see a timeline here that somewhere in this world, people sat in a room and invented this skit called the Boston bombing. So I want to be very clear on that. All right, let's jump in, Jason. All right. So the Boston bombing is what a lot of researchers call one of the big three. And uh, that would be 9-11, Sandy Hook, and the Boston bombing in that order. Uh, just three false flag events that really helped to take away our rights and start really uh, establishing this police state in a very open way. But before we even get into that, uh, I want to go over what the actual definition of a false flag event means. And uh, false flag operations are covert operations conducted by governments, corporations, or other organizations which are designed to deceive the public in such a way that the operations appear as if they are being carried out by other entities. The name is derived from the military concept of flying false colors, that is, flying the flag of a country other than one's own. False flag operations are not limited to war and counterinsurgency operations and have been used in peacetime. The term comes from the old days of wooden ships when one ship would hang the flag of its enemy before attacking another ship in its own navy. Because the enemy's flag was hung instead of the flag of the real country, the attacking ship, it was called a false flag attack. So, and, and I think, yeah, I think it's so critical that, that you included that definition, <clears throat> excuse me, particularly the part with the ships. Because what we are looking at here um, are basically pirates. The people who are doing this, um, living in admiralty law or whatever you want to call the kind of pirate maritime law that is completely blanketing um, most of the Western world and encoded in all the legal codes everywhere. <clears throat> Even, you know what, I'll, I'll just say this. As we get into this, I think, Jason, you cover the whole guy gets shot in a boat thing. There even seems to be a reference in the supposed shooting of one of the supposed terrorists uh, in a boat, which is almost certainly hearkening back to this kind of admiralty pirate law. And if you can consider that what we're saying here holds water, to make a pun, um, think about what we're talking about. We're thinking about a group of we're, we're talking about a group of people and police and others completely pulling off a staged event for some end which is completely outside the concern of the citizens of this country. So anyhow, didn't say that very well, whatever. Keep, keep on going, Jason. <laughs> the official narrative from Wikipedia, just so everyone can see how they paint the reality they want you to see, states that on April 15th, 2013, April 15th is tax day, by the way, Two homemade bombs made from pressure cookers filled with nails, ball bearings, and black powder detonated 12 seconds and 210 yards apart at 2.49 p.m. near the finish line of the annual Boston Marathon, which, by the way, and I actually double-checked this, it ended at 666 Boylston Street. The bombs <laughs> killed three people and injured several hundred others. The number I kept seeing bantied around was 264. So, the official story is that the bombings were done by two brothers, Zokar and Tamerlan Sarnev. Three days after the bombings, on April 18th, there was a shootout between police and the Sarnev brothers. While they were attempting to escape in an SUV, they carjacked after killing an MIT police officer in the Boston suburb of Watertown. Tamerlan was supposedly captured, but died of injury sustained during their escape. Uh, Zokar is supposed to have... Also been injured but escaped until being found the next night on April 19th after an immense manhunt that was underway in which thousands of police searched a 20-block area of Watertown. And as Crow stated, he was supposedly found in someone's boat. 
Uh, while still confined to a hospital bed, he was convicted on April 22nd with using and conspiring to use a weapon of mass destruction resulting in death and with malicious destruction of properties resulting in death. He was convicted on April 8th, 2015 and sentenced to death on May 15th, 2015. He is currently residing at the Supermax prison in uh, Florence, Colorado. The brothers are said to have become radicalized, at least in part after watching lectures by Anwar Alawlaki, a United States citizen of Yemeni background who was an imam and was an accused senior recruiter and motivator for al-Qaeda, killed by a drone strike in 2011. Uh, he's supposed to be the first U.S. citizen said to have been done so. You know, this this is j- just hearing that skit, this this nonsense. The first question I would ask anyone listening, go back and look at the supposed bombs, the mass destructive bombs um, from the Boston bombing right now. Pause this episode and go look at it. <clears throat> is that a weapon of mass destruction? Were the were the little spindly flags in front of these supposed bombs holding nails and ball bearings? All they weren't even not a hole in one of them. So on the face of it, you can see what is going on here. In no way, shape, or form could any human being look at those smoke bombs and call them weapons of mass destruction. The second thing that strikes me about this is he sentenced to death. So unlike the Manson hoax, which will have to be maintained until they eventually kill him off. I guess they'll kill this guy off so they don't have to keep playing the lie game. But um, I don't know, Jason, what say you? I remember when this was going on, that there were conflicting reports coming out from the beginning. So I was like, so here's the patsies. They, whoever these people really were, it's obviously yet another, this is who they're going to blame it on. Probably people that were working with the intelligence community on some level. And that's exactly what I found. Uh, it's been suggested from uh, on a lot of levels that the FBI knew who both brothers were years before the bombings. But also, Tamerlan had already been recruited by them as an informant years before the bombings. Uh, this is backed up by several unprecedented trips he took over to Europe. And um, he was there was interest in him by the Russian government. There, There's calls and things that were monitored. So this highly suggests that he was, and highly likely both brothers were, part of the intelligence community in some regard, which casts the entire authenticity of everything that we're talking about already completely like what's going on here. That, that as soon as you start hearing intelligence people being involved, you know something's up. It's, it's just like Lee Harvey Oswald. You find out later on that he actually was an asset of the intelligence community. Yeah, there's an easier word for these people. They're called actors. Um, This stuff is made up out of whole cloth, and that means the backstories are made up out of whole cloth. And it would not even surprise me um, if these were digitally made up characters and then they got characters on the backside that they dressed up to look like them when they had to have their cheesy, fuzzy pictures and other things. But anyhow, go go ahead. Keep on rolling. So the— the, the the whole thing is an obvious fraud on numerous levels once you begin looking at the evidence. Uh, the first is that there are numerous claims from eyewitnesses that they were observing numerous police and bob sniffing, uh, bomb sniffing dogs all over the place. But when they were inquiring about it, they were told it was just a drill. So obviously this is a uh, commonality repeated through all these false flag events. Whatever's going on, there's always a drill going on at the same time. So they always have that excuse to fall back on if anything goes wrong. Right. As I stated before, this is uh, one of numerous false flags that have been performed in the United States. The big one starting with 9-11, then Sandy Hook, which probably no one died there either. 
definitely nobody died there either. Yeah, and the school did. The school didn't even have an internet connection for some years before this event took place. But anyhow, go ahead. Right, and um, although there's no doubt there would have been other. Ev- events like this even before 9-11 such as uh the uh, okc situation and the first twin towers bombing yep of course so you know it looks like these things have been going on just for a very long time well let, let me let me let me step it back a little bit um any person can go back and look at how the vietnam war started started jim morrison whose fame is from the rock band the doors his father was an admiral his father started vietnam with a false flag event um, it's covered in, what is it, Jason? Is the Pentagon Papers that cover that? I've forgotten now. Um, anyhow, you can look these things up. So false flags basically appear to be the way the world has been governed by the ruling elite for as far back as we can see, probably. Yeah, the, the, the Admiral Morrison thing, that's documented fact. That's not conspiracy theory. You can no, look you that can't, up. That's, that's, right. That is acknowledged. <laughs> so, you know. It's even acknowledged by the people who did it. I mean, it's not really an arguable point. Um, and, and on top of all this, the work we did and uh, people like McGowan did about uh, the early hippie movement, uh, there, there's no getting away from all those people came from intelligence and military families um, and were complicit in all kinds of nonsense like this. No, so so just take this, that all the people who went and fought in Vietnam died over nothing. It, it was just a made-up event for them to have yet another of their, their wars so that the military-industrial complex can feed both sides and make an insane amount of money and probably cull some of the population as well. I'm sure that always gets uh, tied in there somehow. Well, I mean, you, you have to begin to ask. I mean, in the in the case of Boston here, which is what we're looking at, apparently they employ roughly 2,000 police officers. Um, there's going to be accounts in your timeline of many thousands of people involved in this manhood. Um, what does a person do when you realize that your country is being turned into a police state? And people may roll their eyes when I say that, but, you know, I've driven across this country a couple times recently, a uh, 10,000-mile trip on the last time around, and I was stopped by people who used to check for fruit, and they were pulling people out of their cars and searching them. And that's not even the mandate of these checkpoints. The mandate of these checkpoints, I looked up the, the supposed Supreme Court case that had to do with it, was to in as quickly a manner as possible, like 20 seconds or something, determine if they're a U.S. citizen. Um, furthermore, there are plenty of cases where it is citing that you don't have the right to search these people, and yet this is what they're doing. You cannot get into the state of California without going through an armed checkpoint anymore. And at these armed checkpoints, you will also see signs quite often. We arrested this many DUIs, this many drug addicts, this many smugglers, this many, all these other things they're doing. It's a police state stop is what it is. And when you are driving your car trying to get home and someone stops you and demands they search your car, what has happened to this country? Is that a cool thing to do? Is that what a citizen of this country should tolerate? For my part, no. But this is exactly what we're talking about. What do you do when you know, if you live in Boston, that your police department was complicit in this? And that sets aside the government and homeland security, which seems to be completely built on the premise of pulling off these types of events. But anyhow, I'll I'll keep it rolling so I don't get too bogged down here. Right. So the purpose of these events is a multi-tiered psychological attack. It helps to keep the mainstream narratives going on about Islamic terrorism being a daily threat that could strike at any time, uh, as well as keeping the general sense of shock and fear in the conscious minds uh, of the the populations. 
people in this state are so much easier to manipulate, and nothing's more obvious today that the general population in the United States have no clues to what's really going on from all this perpetual attack on their psyche, you know? Even all these people who do nothing but take Prozac, watch TV, and eat horrible processed food, I mean, they're so susceptible, and they have no idea that, that they're just literally, like, being led to the slaughter. No, you're making a great point here. If you were a person who takes information from television or newspapers, um, you're basically being diluted. You're basically being fed a party line. You're basically being programmed. Everyone listening to this has the ability to make up their own mind, to think for themselves. And in doing that, when you see anything come from video, from television, from anywhere, you should not accept it. You should challenge it out of the gate. And yet what Jason is saying here is it does appear, and we could be wrong on this, it's really hard to know how many minds have caught on to what's going on here because we don't control CNN. And CNN goes out to 400 million people. And so it is very difficult to assess how many people might be actually catching on. But by all appearances, um, these people are steamrolling every time they want to with very little resistance, which does suggest that most people are sitting in front of their televisions with a bag of tele potato chips and nodding their head yes to everything they see. What's even more appalling is how many people want to chase after the golden goose that they offer. You know, there are people who want to be part of this system because it's been painted to be this amazing thing. I know right. people who want to be actors and, and rock stars and, and part of this system to the point that they're even taking RFID chips uh, as, as, a, as a media stunt, you know? I mean, I, I've seen this happen with people I, that I know of personally. So they've got us, man, you know? It, it's crazy. You know, it reminds me of that line from uh, from The Matrix where uh, – what's the guy's name? Cypher there is with Mr. Smith trying to turn in Morpheus and he's telling telling him, yeah, I'll give you what you want. Put me back into the grid. Put me in the Matrix. Don't want to remember anything. But I want to be someone important. His name is Mr. Reagan, by the way, um, as another encoded kick in the nuts for anyone who watched that movie. Uh, he says, someone important like an actor. Um, you need to wake up to what's going on, and there are subtle clues and blatant clues and flat-out statements all over the place that should clue the average person who's not completely asleep into what's going on here. But go ahead, Jason. Keep rolling down the road. I'm quite amused with Agent Smith's response where he just goes, whatever you want. Yeah, like it's ever going to happen. You know, they're going to throw him back in the Matrix and he's going to be like a garbage collector or something. <laughs> All right, so there are supposed to have been three people killed in the explosions. Crystal Campbell, who was 29 years old, Martin Richard, who was an 8-year-old little boy, and Lou Lingsey, who was a 23-year-old girl. Now, I did look them all up, and I found official records matching what the official narratives were on the SSDI. So they were actually taken off the Social Security register. It, it would be, yeah, it would be interesting to know um, if there would be a way to know how long they'd been on the register. But I mean, I'll ask the question, is this the first time in history three people have been killed by a smoke bomb? I just got to ask. Well, the other thing we can postulate here is these people may have been real people and died because they may have just wanted real life murders to, to be on the record. So th there is also that possibility. I mean, that's certainly not beyond the kind of things these people would do, you know? 
But here's the problem, though. If that if some scenario in that way to, to try to achieve some kind of a real death, which I don't accept, happened, then you've got the problem of families. Um, these people would have had families. And so with media and all that goes on on the tail of one of these things, if the family is not complicit in this, how is it ever going to work out? Right. And that's that's part of the problem when people started going after a lot of these victims, trying to figure out, OK, so who are these people and where did they come from? What's their backgrounds? And a lot of researchers are indeed going after that. So, Well, they, they, they did a bit more than that. I read many accounts of people signing up for online background investigations to look up this Bowman character who you see in a wheelchair with his legs supposedly blown off, no blood following him down the street. And they couldn't find him. There was no person that fit the description they were given by the media. But what's more is they went into great detail about what the AMA um, states about what happens with amputation and how long you need to recover. And they began to demonstrate things like this guy was back out on the street like week or two weeks, something like that, before uh, an average amputation should be released from the hospital. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But what's really staggering to me and I don't know if you mentioned this or I read it, supposedly uh, the storyline tells us that 27 hospitals were involved with the amount of people that were injured here. Um, and at the time, I remember people making calls to hospitals and how that was just kind of shut down um, where they wouldn't let them get through. But I mean, think about what we are talking about here, the complicity of corporations. You see, corporations own hospitals, not private people. You see, Clearly, the police departments are being swayed by some higher power. So when these events go on, I would imagine if enough people just started challenging in no-nonsense ways, it would become a headache very quick when you're talking about 27 stinking hospitals. I mean, come on. How could someone writing a skit begin to cover that base if enough people woke up and started calling and saying, hey, man, I'm a citizen. I want to know something, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And there there were reports even from that day where people who were doctors were trying to get in to help once everything started going on and they were not allowed onto the scene. So <laughs> they, they weren't at the briefing. Right. They, yeah, they, weren't, they weren't part of the they weren't in the pre drill. The gig, man. <laughs> yeah, they, they were actually people. They weren't part of the drill, I guess. Yeah, because, of course, that would happen. Obviously, there's going to be real medical people in, in the massive crowds that would have been there. Yeah, there's going to be real people there. And most people are decent human beings and would want to come and help. And of course, they're being turned away. There's actually on camera. Uh, a scene where a guy's like, hey, I'm medical, I'm medical, let me in, and, and there's cops stopping him. So that that, <laughs> that, that tells you everything. Um, there's plenty of photographic and video evidence to easily support the notion that this entire event is what is known as a hyper-reality show. These are scenes that are set up, usually for, like, for the military, but sometimes for medical and other situations, for them to be able to experience what it would be like to be in a real war situation, complete with destroyed scenery and realistic-looking injuries which is what we see here. Well, it's kind of funny because there really isn't much destroyed scenery, but yeah, it's exactly what we see. I remember within a day or two, um, people on YouTube uh, coming up with the footage of people throwing the dust out of packets and spraying the blood on the ground, this kind of thing. Um, the guy with no legs, uh, clearly not hurt in a few of those images and then laying back to pretend as if he's hurt. Um, it's no secret, but I mean, this begs the question for what this episode is about. How many of us out there understand what's going on here? How many of us out there are prepared to be a person who demands better? 
whether you make a video and talk about it, whether you make a phone call, whether whatever it is that you're comfortable with doing in your life, um, how many of us are there? Um, because it's not an easy thing for us to know. And it's hard to imagine at this point that CNN is correct. And the majority of us believe these nonsensical, ridiculous events. Yeah, it's <laughs> absolutely. And you know what? For being 2013, uh, there's not a lot of crisp and clear HD footage for the most part. Like, there's no... I, I don't know. There's just not as much as you would think there would be. Now, there's people, independent people, who've got it, but as far as, uh, would you, like, mainstream media and all that, you don't see an insane amount of footage. There's some good pictures and everything, but those look staged beyond all belief. So this sounds familiar to to the space fraud stuff, that there's just not... All, everything that you would expect there to be available isn't there. Yeah, and it's a bit baffling, too. Um, you've got to wonder if they staged the grandstands with certain people because when you go to an event like the Boston bombing, a lot of people are going to have cameras other than their cell phones because they want to shoot someone they know or something about this big event. And yet the amount of footage that was available right after it um, was not that much. And this sets aside the idea that probably – 80% of the people would have HD cell cameras, right? Um, it's a stunning thing to think about, and it shows um, either how well this is planned or how well information is controlled after the fact. I don't know which. I would think controlled because four years ago, um, you know, while, while they may not have quite as much as we do today with cell phones, 2013, plenty, plenty of cell phones had cameras. I mean, it's right. it's it was still was common enough. So I, I think that the, it's probably a control of information because one of the things I wanted to see was the actual bombs going off, and I kept seeing the same kind of crappy, grainy footage uh, repeated. So I, I, I don't know. I, I really do think that they were controlling the output. Yeah, and, and to some degree, you know, everything that gets put out for the people goes up online, which means if you title it something like rare footage from the Boston bombing, you're identifying what that is. Um, and we've covered ad nauseum uh, what happens to hit counts and traffic on places like uh, like YouTube. But um, for a while there, when these false events would go off, one of the big key indicators, like what happened in Paris, people were immediately asking where's or, or Dallas is a good example. Where is all the cell phone video? And then, of course, in a couple of these events, we got this cell phone video, but then that didn't stand up to scrutiny um, when people began to take apart, you know, if you were there filming something like this, what would you expect to, to be filming? What would it look like? But uh, in many cases with these false events, you would imagine there have to be many hundreds of people around with phones in their pockets and who the hell is not going to reach in their pocket and film something like this. And yet on so many of these events, uh, for some reason, there doesn't seem to be a lot of personal private cell phone coverage. Right. So shortly before the bombs are supposed to have gone off uh, a little ways up the road, the runners were stopped because of an event that had just occurred. Uh, the problem is they did it a little bit too early, and there is documented evidence of the time that they were stopped. Basically, they did it a little too early before the explosions went off. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of the, that, okay, everybody's got to stay back. Something happened, but... Um, yeah, script glitch. Script um, glitch it's, fun yeah. it's funny, too, because on Wiki, they claim that people were still running to the finish line eight minutes after the bombs had gone off. It, they very well may have. Uh I mean, a lot of people were involved in these races. I mean, it's like tens of thousands of people, so who knows? So getting into the actual devastation scene, the very first obvious 
the thing that anybody can notice is that none of the blood in any of the scenes looks real. It, it looks like red paint, you know? It's not up to Hollywood standards by any means where, you know, they can make some pretty gruesome-looking stuff that looks very, very real. Now, I personally have been in a very nasty car accident, and I had blood pouring out of my head. It went down my face, onto my clothes, onto my hands, and I know what it looks like. It's actually very scary how much you bleed when you crack your head. And it doesn't look anything like what I saw in these pictures, you know? No, it, it, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, like when blood pools, um, if you've ever seen a bad auto accident or something, quite often it begins to look black very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, um, nothing like you can go back and, and look at the footage to see. But there are people on YouTube who actually caught them throwing dust up, spraying debris around, getting out what looks to be blood bags, this type of thing. And that was covered within days of the event. So... Oh, yeah, people were tearing this apart immediately. There are pictures where you can actually see, like, little bottles and things that had the fake blood in it and where people – I saw cl video clips where people were pulling uh, something out of their pocket and rubbing fake blood in their face. Like, right. this, this was this was a really big setup, you know? Um, it's obvious that crisis actors are used in the footage. Clothes are ripped and torn. Sometimes looking like it was blatantly done with scissors or knives or something, and no wounds are apparent where they should be, given the extent of the damage of the clothing, you know? The one really obvious uh, lacking kind of wound in any of these things is head and eye injuries. Now, if indeed pressure cookers blew up with ball bearings and nails and, and whatever, good grief. You, like, you'd think that people would have all of these little injuries all over them from these from this stuff acting as shrapnel but you don't see that you don't see that at all no even the flags escaped any any of the debris um you know a flag would be the first thing to shred and all the flags are intact yeah think about iconic scenes from from uh real war situations where flags or whatever in the background uh, are torn up but still flying you know they use those as, as, as imagery like oh the flag is still flying but it's shredded and torn because it, it probably got hit with real shrapnel you don't see that here no, these were smoke bombs. Um, there's there's no getting away from it. The devastation of a weapon of mass destruction, which is what they ultimately convicted this guy for, um, it's a it's on the face of it, complete fraud. And it goes to show you uh, to what lengths these people are willing to go to implement their police state and to erode uh, the freedoms of or well, I guess what we, we the freedoms we think we've always had in this country. Um, and, and I could get off on a whole side thing about your birth certificate and the fact that you're not participating in the corporation that is the United States. You're not owning your house. You're basically renting it. Um, there's a whole sideline that's going on here. But what you're looking at is corporations probably really being behind much of this when you consider 27 hospitals you know if you were a hospital that had no role in this wouldn't someone in the hospital eventually say um you know this is nonsense we didn't take any of these people but this is not what we see and hospitals are driven corporations so anyhow to beat a dead horse go ahead jason uh one of the big things that got noticeable real quick is it seems that they have very specific characters created and put in place for specific roles to be played out, you know, for, for psychological effect. Um, <clears throat> right before and during the explosions, there are telltale signs of filmmaking-style windblowers in use, uh, very noticeable by flags on only one side of the roadway flying heavily in the breeze where the bombs were about to go off, while flags on the other side show no evidence of any kind of wind whatsoever. They're just hanging there. So that, that was a dead giveaway. 
Right. There's actually footage of an industrial grade fog machine uh, doing what fog machines do as well. People can look that up online. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I'm, I'm used to being around that kind of equipment and that's what it looks like. After the explosions, there are plenty of pictures showing small objects such as cups and bottles still standing without any noticeable harm, not knocked over. You know, they're just they're just in the same place they were while there's devastation all around them, you know. Yes, I you know, I can't say anything more about uh, how phony it is. Anyone listening, just go back and look at the smoke bombs go off and ask yourself one simple question. Was that a real bomb? Would it have injured anybody? How is it that even flags didn't get damaged? Um, it's it's a no-brainer. Any adult with a thinking mind can understand what just by watching the explosion what is going on. So right after the explosions, there were two men who took several rapid-fire photos which were immediately released to the public. Uh, the discrepancies with what should be reality are really evident immediately. Plenty of the bright red blood looking like it was poured on the ground and what looks like movie smoke all over the place. It, it just looks like, it looks like you're watching a setup for a film shoot. These pictures have the first shots of uh, the guy they called Cowboy Hat Man, uh, complete with his American flag in hand. Now, what's interesting is... There's shots of him that came out later where he's kind of standing off to the side, doesn't have the cowboy hat or the American flag in his hand. So obviously he, he was waiting for his cue. Um, in these pictures, it's it's very noticeably set up to be the way it is. The, the prettiest girl is this pretty blonde girl. She's seen up front in the shots, right up on the right-hand side of everything. And in the background... You just kind of see a mix of people. There's a heavy set woman in the background who, you know, isn't that attractive, so she you can barely see her. Uh, the blonde girl has numerous rips and tears on her red shirt with absolutely no corresponding wounds that should be present if she had been hit with shrapnel. Yeah, it goes to show you what stage, stagecraft will do to the average Western mind now, having spent so much time in front of a television. Um, they're beginning to base reality on a very kind of topical look and feel of things. And uh, it's in this day and age, it's staggering. If you see someone with that much damage to their clothes who was supposedly near a bomb that had shrapnel in it, um, the, uh, a real thinking individual, the first question would be, how is it that there's no blood here or damage to this individual? Right. Uh, more pictures start coming out right afterwards. Another man in some of the photos is seen with jeans that were obviously cut up with scissors no yeah, serious wounds nothing whatsoever i mean he literally looks like the walking dead where it's like his clothes are completely and utterly tattered and torn uh but he's got no no wounds at all it's like well come on man that just looks ridiculous it's it's like bombs don't play nice like that you know well, you could you could also begin to understand that if those were real bombs with real shrapnel, um, there is footage of how many people are around right before they go off. Uh, if those were real bombs, it would have been complete carnage there. And just to prove it to myself, I looked up real stuff from over in the Middle East, and it, they just don't look the same. It's When real bombs go off, it's horrible. No, and, and you can't – in real life, you know, when I was in basic training – uh, in the Marine Corps. And I had been around explosives before I was in the Marine Corps, but I was stunned when we went to the portion of basic training where you throw your first hand grenade. Um, there were probably 60, I don't remember how many people were in my platoon at that point, um, but there were a huge number of people that could not even throw the grenade far enough to get out of the injury zone. They, they teach you what the kill zone of a grenade is and what the injury zone is, which is further out. They put you in a bunker 
um, with these big cinder block walls and there's an officer in there who watches what goes on for grenade grenade gets dropped or whatever they throw people out of the bunker that kind of thing i got a good arm and when i whipped my grenade out there um it's stunning the the force the concussion of just a simple hand grenade um and when you see all these bombs on TV and other things, it's just you don't get the same effect. If you were anywhere near a hand grenade when it exploded, it would feel like a Mack truck hit you in the chest. It would probably take the, the wind out of you if you were lucky enough to be far enough away not to get hit by anything. Um, I just can't overstate the difference between reality of an explosion and all the stage nonsense that keeps getting put in front of us. And this is the same is true of these assault weapons and guns in these events where they're basically pop guns. Uh, it happened in the Paris event where there was supposedly a cop laying on the ground. A guy runs by with an assault rifle and fires off a couple rounds and it looks like it's a cap gun. Anyone who's ever shot an AK-47 understands the force, the impact, just the overwhelming power that that is associated with these weapons so it's a critical thing to get into your adult higher mind and question the physical reality of what you're being presented with what would happen to a human being if they were caught in the immediate blast zone of a hand grenade i you know i don't <laughs> i i've never seen such a thing but i can imagine it would be one horrific thing they tell you i've forgotten the distances maybe it's I don't want to say because someone's going to look it up and tell me you got it wrong. It seems like it's like 35 meters or something is is the injury zone. And then there's a smaller circle, which is considered the kill zone. But again, um, out of 60 people, I would estimate that, I don't know, maybe a third of the people couldn't throw it far enough to get outside of the injury zone. There were even a couple that probably couldn't have thrown it out of the kill zone. And then there were a bunch who could. But um yeah, put it this way. You hear one of those things go off and you know damn well it's not a joke and that you don't want to be anywhere near it. So there's another photo that shows a woman with the knees of her jeans completely open, like 80s rock and roll style. No wounds. She's later seen in another photo being led away in a wheelchair with one shoe missing. She has multiple tourniquets on her legs, but again, no signs of visible wounds anywhere. And the tourniquets, that's another thing I noticed. A lot of people had tourniquets on that barely looked like they were tied on. Uh, a very photogenic scene is captured of a man whose clothes are completely shredded, looking again very much like they were cut with scissors. It later comes out that this person was caught on camera with a man dressed as a firefighter, clothes intact, with the fireman looking around nervously, who then actually uh, takes him into, I'm, I'm not sure what it was, if it was an ambulance or what it was, because it's off camera, but it's obvious he pulls something out, does the damage to his clothing, uh, before sending him off to the crowd where what looks to be a crisis director steers him in the right direction for maximum effect. And he has right. no wounds, of course. I mean, so if this got caught on camera being staged. Right. And there's plenty of footage about how the crisis actor directors, the people wearing the things around their necks, <clears throat> all this kind of thing proving that what you're looking at is a stage deck. There's even some people, you know, I read skimmed, I should say, a couple books recently to see if they were telling the truth about things like Baton Rouge, Dallas, and the Boston bombing. Um, they're claiming they identified people directly from Hollywood, um, and I forget whether they were like directors or they, they were high-ups in Hollywood that are actually filmed on the scene of the Boston bombing. Again, in so many of these events, Hollywood is never more than a stone's throw from space fraud, and uh, it seems to be true also of these false events. But we've got to address Jeff Bowman. He was the 
the character, the made-up character that doesn't exist, yep. um, which almost certainly – well, certainly was an amputee that was brought in to play the role here. Um, go ahead. I'll let you let you run through your thing here before we, you know, just obviously show that anyone got their legs blown off. None of this is real. Right. In amongst this scene lies one of the biggest characters of this whole event, and that is the character of Jeff Bauman. He is seen lying on his side with a large amount of bright red blood on the ground by him. Both legs are missing. Uh, one of the legs shows what looks like a long stick that is supposed to be bone, but upon inspection in multiple photo- photos, the, the bone's far too long to be accurate for what his height looks like it should be. He's not bleeding out. Uh, other people around him have already been taken away while he is just left there for several minutes minimum, holding what is almost certainly prosthetic attachments to simulate damage. Uh, another iconic scene is shot while he is being rushed away by several people, him sitting in a wheelchair holding his legs up. Um, where Cowboy Hat Man comes in again. Uh, now, Cowboy Hat Man, people looked him up. He is Carlos Arredondo, a Costa Rican-American who is called a peace activist and, a, and an American Red Cross volunteer. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but looking, looking into him, he has a very shady past and is almost certainly uh, a crisis actor or working in the intelligence community. Um, he is said to have rushed to the scene to help immediately after the bombings and upon seeing Jeff's condition, started applying tourniquets. Carlos is seen standing by the side of the events in several photos, as I mentioned earlier, as if waiting for his cues. And in some of those photos, he does not have the cowboy hat on, nor does he, is he holding the American flag. Uh, only hours after being taken away to surgery, Jeff is supposed to have woken up and identified the Sarnev brothers, brothers as the bombers. <laughs> photos shown later don't look like the same person, though. And... This is where it starts getting really nuts. He's doing unrealistic things, uh, such as seven days later, visiting another victim of the bombings in the hospital to give her a gift. He's, he, there's an iconic shot of him giving her a Macy's bag uh, with the big red star on it. You can tell what it is. Um, he doesn't seem to be dealing with any of the physical, mental, or emotional consequences of having both of his legs amputated. He just seems like this is perfectly normal to him. He was released from the hospital 17 days later, uh, with no reporters or press of any kind involved, there were pretty much no fanfare at all, but this is supposed to be the great hero. And he is shown as happy as can be at a Boston Bruins game, wheeling out onto the ice with a Boston strong flag waving it around. He uh, he also was photographed earlier, two days just after the bombing, wearing the same kind of Boston strong t-shirt. So pretty much this is just not possible. If you look up what the recovery time from a, a surgery of that magnitude, it's months, absolute months, because y your body has to completely heal where everything was cut apart. And this is supposed to have happened in a traumatic event on top of it. So his body would have received massive shock. I mean, when you're in an explosion like that, just like a car wreck, your body is jarred around and you're, you're in pain. It, it hurts. I can tell you just from the car wreck I was in, it hurts. And yeah, and you're in shock. Um, you know, there's he's. It's like you said. He's on the ground there for so long. Um, people actually went in to try to determine how long it would take you to bleed out if your femoral arteries were cut, or the major arteries in your leg in that way. And many of them were making the case that just the amount of time he laid there. But when they're wheeling him away, there's no blood coming out. And I don't give a damn how good your tourniquet is. I mean, you pretty much have to cinch it down to where you're cutting into the skin to prevent any blood from coming out. But the 
main thing here is anyone who went through that would be an absolute shock, if even conscious. I mean, they're showing his his lower leg bone hanging out. It's it's complete nonsense, and this is a key point because this kind of gruesome display is what traps human minds. They get so caught up in the emotion of what's being presented to them that they lose all higher mind function. If you can just click yourself back to understand what you're looking at, it's immediately evident that what you're looking at is false. And then when you understand that, you can begin to understand why was it done, and uh, we'll address that. Yeah, and there's there's so much evidence. I, I stopped there because we're going to discuss what the effects of all this are. But what, right. what this whole setup was for was to make this massive impression on the mind and to make you malleable to what it is that they want to do. Um, there's plenty more evidence to show fakery. Um, after the bombings, however, a massive manhunt began. Residents of Watertown and the adjacent cities and towns around it got what, I, and I never even knew you could do this, what's called reverse 9-11 calls. Like, they're calling you. Right. Uh, and it, with a voice saying to shelter in place, which means stay inside, while SWAT teams search for the bombers in the area. This is after they... they they released two sets of names. The first ones apparently were wrong. Then they hit on the Sarnavs. Um, when the search area was narrowed down to a 20-block area of Watertown, an interagency task force that had been set up after 9-11 moved in. This was headed up by the FBI, but it also used members of the Massachusetts National Guard as well as several other civilian federal agencies. The civilian agencies were in command, or at least it stated that they are in command officially, uh, not the military being command. I guess that's to dissuade the fact that it's not supposed to be martial law. But uh, that being said, the police that were dispatched were outfitted virtually the same as any soldiers would be in a war zone. I mean, absolute stormtrooper outfits. Um, no declaration officially made that the area was under martial law during the manhunt. However, that is exactly how it was being treated. And and again, um, this is where we start to get into the crux of this episode, the, the coming police state and the eroding of any civil liberties that people think they might still have, um, if they ever did have them, I would add. The idea of shelter in place, when you look at this term that was going out through the media, it's Orwellian. It's pulled straight out of 1984. It's basically telling you, we're in charge, you go inside, you stay there. And it was mandatory. Um and anyone can go look at what these people looked like, all dressed in black and their paramilitary. But another thing that struck me as I was going back through this is, of course, all this happens in Watertown. So this brings us back probably to a reference or an encoding of the idea of piracy law or admiralty law, which is basically the bane of our existence. And I know there's probably going to be lawyers listening that say that that's completely not true, but I'm sorry. Um, admiralty law and maritime law is completely encoding everything from the way a courtroom is set up in our country to the language that drives it. And you can be taught any number of things about what language means. But when you take a deeper look, you start to get a more real picture. And so this idea of Watertown and one of these supposed terrorists being shot in a boat uh, is almost certainly references to this kind of piracy that is going on where basically people who can do a thing do a thing because they could do it to, to gain something. And in this case, um, to gain uh, the erosion of civil, li civil liberties. Yeah. And so just so folks really understand this, we are not free. What Crow just said about 
all oh, this maritime admiralty law. That's how they've got us. You are a corporate identity, and that is what they control. They own you by your birth certificate and your social security number. If you don't believe me, go look up maritime admiralty law. Go look up UCC. That's how they do business uh, since the Roman days, which stands for Uniform Commercial Code. This is the law of the sea that rules us. It's basically piracy law, and even your courtroom is set up to mimic the bridge of a ship. Um, you know, that little divider called a bar. There's the bar exam that lawyers take. You know, I even saw people breaking down the definition of what the bar is, and it was funny because when I went to look up what the Bar Association says the definition is, it was much different where they were using British something in the term bar. But the truth is, you are a corporation. You're being traded as chattel. Anyone can prove it. Go use your social security number or go look up online how to find where you are listed and being traded as chattel on a stock market somewhere. It's simply the way we live. And the moment you got your social security number and your birth certificate, certificate these things were put in place. The truth is you don't own anything. You don't own your house. You don't own your land. You're basically renting it from the corporation of the United States. And that's probably not worded exactly right. But the intention of what I said honestly assesses what's going on here. If you cease to, to pay your taxes, they will come take that thing away. In other words, your, your taxes are a bit like rent on a thing you don't own. Consider taking loans from the bank. Um, it's a completely illegal process. The banks have the right to loan you money, but then they get all this collateral. They hold, like when you get a car, they hold your, uh, your pink slip until you pay off the car. These are all modern constructs designed to put controls over the people. But anyhow, we're kind of tracking off, Jason. Anyone who, who wants to question that can go look at, at what the corporate straw man is. And the truth is, it really relates to what we're covering here. It, it does. And I wanted to bring that up because people think their rights are being violated. In reality, you don't have rights. The things that were created right. and set down in 1776 with the Declaration of Independence um, and then later in the Constitution, that that doesn't exist anymore. That was all changed in 1871 when the United States was incorporated in Washington District of Columbia. So there's a lot people right. just do not understand, and all of this ties together. This just happens to be what they're doing to us right now, but this has been going on for a very, very long time. But I would point out, and I think this is a key critical point in, in all this erosion of freedoms, a contract is often defined as a meeting of the minds. In other, in other words, when you shake hands and make a contract, both people understand what they're agreeing to. I would submit to everyone listening, and this is the crux and the import of the episode we're doing here. This is why I'm doing this episode. You were brought up in this country being told you had freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to bear arms, all these freedoms and civil rights. And yet what Jason just told you was true. In 1871, Washington, D.C. was incorporated, and our legislature, our executive branch, our everything became a corporate entity, which you are denied participating in by your birth certificate and your Social Security, security number, seemingly. My point is this. If we have been told our whole lives about all these freedoms we have, all we need to do is demand them. We made a contract somewhere along the line whether it was a handshake or not, that we were being told we had these things, we agreed that we hand these things, and in my mind, that is a contract. They have been hiding what is actually going on, and while it's not that well hidden, the point is, is any day you listen to a president speak or a newscast, they will assure you that you still have all these civil liberties, for the most part. 
So my point here is Boston bombing, along with so many of these other events, is designed to do one thing, to erode your freedoms, to make you less of a human being and to cow you down headed towards, I guess, total control at some point. You know, I I can't see the future, but seemingly that's where this goes. I submit we have been told that we have all these liberties, which they are now piecemeal ripping apart with false events to convince us that that's the way of things. If we simply say, no, we have these freedoms, we do not surrender these freedoms, it doesn't matter crap what corporation they set up, what deals they made, what other laws they have enacted, because we had a meeting of the minds when we were born in this country, brought up being assured that we had the freest country in the world on all these civil liberties. And the reason this matters is because whatever is done to the United States of America or whatever is left of the United States, which is the corporation, which is why when you talk about the military, it's the U.S. Navy. Because it's part of the corporation, not the United States of America Navy, because the United States of America refers to a point before the corporation, the United States was set up. My point, anything that can be done to the United States of America can be done to any other nation in this world, and you better damn well believe it. So so many people listen to this, and they say, oh, those stupid Americans, they're eating their hamburgers, getting fat, watching their entertainment, and not understanding Whether or not that's true, and to some degree it absolutely is, I'll be the first to tell you, so many more people need to wake up. You better be rooting for what happens here, because if we go down the drain to total police state or whatever might come on the tail of this stuff, I don't care where you live, what country you reside in, you're on the hit list, and that's the way I see it. And I agree with you. Next up, we uh, are going to tear into the whole manhunt, but that will be in hour two. Okay. Um, do you have anything you want to add before we take a break? Because I am going to do an intro um, on this episode that covers a little more about the Electoral College because so many people are still hung up on Trump and that whole thing. Yeah. The last thing I want to add in for hour one, for all you folks out there, look up the difference between an American citizen and a United States citizen. <laughs> There's a good one. It's funny. Every time I bring that up, when you, when you talk about the military, you always say the United States Marine Corps. You never say the United States of America Marine Corps. And there is a reason for that. And these things are pretty obvious. But the point I'm making is we're so convinced that we have these things um, that we really need to begin to stand up for them because we do have these things if we demand them. We are the majority. If Hundreds of thousands of us woke up one day and said, guess what? I'm not paying my taxes to a corporation anymore. How would they ever deal with that? It would be too much, too big, too many tentacles to reel in in the way they would like to see things controlled. And while that's just an example and I don't really think that's ever going to happen, my point is these things are not hard to see. They are not hard to know. They are not hard to look up. And the real question becomes here while I'm closing our one is what kind of an American or a citizen of another country in this world are you going to be? Will you be a person who demands human rights, civil liberties, freedoms, or will you watch these jokers out of Hollywood, Homeland Security, police you know, departments all over the place, our own government staging faked events to slowly erode the very things that we all hold valuable. And and that's what this is about, man. All right, Jason, 
Do you have anything else to add before I cut it? Nope. In hour two, we're going to go through just what was really going on during the manhunt so that you can see that the police state isn't coming. It's already here. That's right. It is here. Um, And the checkpoints kind of proved that to me uh, a long time ago. Not to mention, in San Diego, uh, as I grew up, there were a couple types of cops. If it was an incorporated city like San Diego, it would be San Diego PD because it's incorporated. City called La Mesa, it would be La Mesa PD because it's incorporated. All these unincorporated areas were covered by the sheriff. For as long back as I could remember, most police cars in in, uh, in the city and the part of Southern California I grew up in had to protect and to serve written on the sides of them. Do you know what those cars say today? Keeping the peace. Now, you can parse words, you can mince words, you can do a lot of things with words, but a common no-nonsense assessment of what that means should tell you something. The peace is not theirs to keep. They are here to serve us, and yet they have moved any inkling off the sides of their cars that they are here to serve us. And, you know, I've even made clips about San Diego when the the helicopter buzzing got so bad, I called the complaint, and they basically told me, screw you. Who the hell are you? You're just a citizen. Um, The cops do what the cops do. And I corrected her, and I said, bullshit. You people serve us. Um, But you see, there will be a point, and we may have already reached it to some degree, where there's no fooling ourselves that the police serve us anymore. Um, We got to do something, guys. We've got to stand up and we've got to demand what our due is. And for anyone who wants to understand what our due is, remember back to school every freedom you were ever told you had. Do you have it or do you not? So there it is. There's the end of Hour 1, Episode 44, covering the coming police state and the events that are bringing them closer, like the Boston bombing. There it is, man. Cheers. Cheers.